So for the past few days, Christians all over the world have been celebrating the good news of the demonstration of God's love. His love to a fallen and sin-filled, helpless, hopeless humanity in, in the sacrifice and the work of Jesus. Christians celebrated Good Friday in many ways. We did so in our Seder. How many of you were here for that? That was really good. Um, we had this configuration a little bit different than it is today, but it worked out really, really great. And, um, and it was neat because as you, as you have the perspective of someone who has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, the recognition of who Jesus is, all of those symbolic things take on a totally different uh, view. And I was telling Hector that, man, I, I, I was sitting there the whole time and I just, I, everything that we were doing, and, and because it was, there were some lighthearted moments in it and a little bit of fun as well, uh, it, it was a little bit hard to do, but I felt like I, I wanted to cry the whole time because I was just overwhelmed by the, the goodness of the Lord. Um, but people celebrate and have in a lot of different ways. They celebrate the, the fact that Jesus fulfilled prophecy. That he fulfilled the, the hopes and dreams of those who were longing for a savior. This morning, Christians celebrate in song. And by the way, kids, thank you so much uh, for being a part of this morning. Uh, you brought energy to us all, and we're grateful for that. And Ross is right. I'm going to be mowing my grass. One, two, three. Jesus. Yeah. But... Um, we celebrate in a lot of different ways. In, in prayer, people will pray today. In, in the proclamation of truth, um, the overwhelming truth that death was defeated. It, it overwhelms us that Jesus died in our place. That, that he took the full force of the wrath of God on sin. Our sin. And, and that the perfect laid down his life for the broken. The innocent laid down his life for the guilty. Enemies can now be friends. It's a lot to take in. Yet sometimes the, the overwhelming part can be that with all the activity of this weekend, we can find ourselves forgetting how vital it is that Jesus is risen. Because his bodily resurrection is key to there being any life in Jesus, both now and into eternity. Is it any wonder that, that even in, in the time of Jesus, there would be a desire to undermine any belief that resurrection was even possible? This is, this is what the Sadducees, one of the religious sects, brought to the table. Acts 23 says, the Sadducees say that there's no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. There, there were all these things that were going on. And, and in short, these Sadducees believed what they believed because they rejected the idea of any oral laws that had been given in favor of a very literal interpretation of what had been written. They, they did not believe in an afterlife per se. 
because they didn't see it mentioned in the first five books of the Bible. Following the time of Jesus and throughout history, it's, it's littered with scholars and theologians who spent the short time that they have on the planet trying to invalidate the resurrection of Jesus. In modern times, there's many who refute, undermine, otherwise try to discredit those who would believe in the literal, physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. In the end, the reasons and the motivations are all the same. Because if one can somehow prove the resurrection never happened, then the Christian faith, the message of the gospel, the hope in Jesus for a fallen, broken world, it simply ceases to exist. And it was into that very thought that the Apostle Paul spoke when he was writing to the church at Corinth. And that's what we're going to be looking at today because he, he first reminded them of the facts of the resurrection and, and the eyewitnesses in chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Then he reminded them that it was the mandate behind his preaching in verses 8 through 11. Now, if Paul would have had PowerPoint and internet access, he might have given them something like this, right? Nice chart so they could see all of the different things that were there and, and, and the timeline of all the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus and all of that. But he didn't. I do. And so there it is. But, but for Paul, it was important to consider at least the, the magnitude of there being no empty tomb. There being no, he is risen, like the kids read this morning, declared by the people who were there. there. There being no power over death, hell, and the grave. There being no savior. And this is how he does it. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we're even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ, in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. In this passage, there are things he brings to light if there is no resurrection. The first is not even Christ is raised. I want you to stop and think about that for just a minute. Contrast that to the songs that we have already sung this morning. This, this is the foundational point. And, and if true, would, would validate the claims of all of those people who said, this is what happened after Jesus' death. Like his body was removed by his disciples or, or all the other claims that attempt to refute the resurrection. Preaching Jesus would be empty words. There, there would be no good news. 
Jesus is just like all the others who came before him and all the others that would come after him claiming to be the Messiah. So if you were to listen to the message of the apostles, it would only be for entertainment value if he is not risen. Faith in Christ is useless. Another dead guy saves no one. Set up a shrine, pay homage on certain holidays. It gives you something good to do on those days if he is not risen. Lies have been told about God's power. Jesus would have been the one that started the lie because after all he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The apostles continued it and in the process they defamed God. If he is not risen. Christianity is pointless. Old Testament scriptures are pointless. New Testament scriptures are just simply superstition or myth. Evangelism is a waste of time and energy and money. One might as well build a house on sand, chase the wind, or try to follow their own shadow if he is not risen. Everyone remains in the bondage of sin. Not only is there no freedom from sin, there's, there's no ability to ever overcome it. Sin is master. And all will serve at the desire of their own most base, wicked, vile things. The consequences would remain as the constant companion to sin's misery if he is not risen. Everyone who died in the past or dies in the present or the future would experience eternal torment. Every person paying the penalty to God for their own sin with their own life. Such a payment would bring a person face to face with the wrath of God on sin. Unshielded by any mercy for eternity if he is not risen. Hope actually becomes a disappointment and maybe even a cruel joke. Anything done motivated by a greater purpose is for nothing. Sacrifice and suffering find no respite. Peace and joy and satisfaction are not found in the present and they cannot be a promise for the future if he is not risen. Christians are the most miserable, foolish people ever. One author said it like this, If every part of the gospel is not true, then we will have spent our days pursuing a God who will not benefit us beyond the grave. Not only are we objects of pity, the skeptics all around us will indeed have the final laugh. Paul was making a point. A, a calling to these people to remember the vital importance of the resurrection. It, it was a call for them to remember where their faith find its, finds its anchor. It, it was a call for them to remember where their soul finds its rest. It was a call to them to remember where life finds its life. So Paul finishes with a strong emphasis of what he knows beyond any doubt. Not just because of convincing proofs like an empty tomb 
or the eyewitness accounts, or the multitude of encounters that people had with the risen Christ that they would testify of. But because Jesus makes people live. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by man came death, by a man also came resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Now to be sure, Paul was focused on the resurrection as he's talking in this particular portion of his letter to the Corinthian church. But he was also focused on the reality of the resurrection for all those who put their faith in Jesus. Namely, they will live and, and that life will matter because of the resurrection. He says it this way in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That's how he ends this entire portion. Paul always had in view the reality that the resurrection of Jesus accomplished something. Not something cerebral, something tangible, something visible, something knowable, something experienceable. I made that word up just for you. It was something less to be proven by arguing about historic facts and more to be about the convincing proofs of a life lived in the power of the resurrection. It was Paul's passion. He said this in Philippians 3, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I counted all things loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ." The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. There was the understanding there that this was about what Jesus had accomplished by coming to life again. When Paul knew, what Paul knew was, was the reality that the resurrection changed and continues to change everything for people dead in sin, like us. Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness 
toward us in Jesus. He made us alive. If there is no resurrection, he makes no one alive. What Paul knew was that the reality of of the resurrection changed and, and continues to change everything for people living on this planet like us today. Romans 5, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing tribulation brings perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. Hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is not life for someday. This is not life for after they put you in a casket and and then one day you will be raised again. This is life for now. This is life for today. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. One will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man some would dare to even die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through faith, through, through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In the end of this passage, Paul says, For if by the transgression of one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. As I read these things, what what jumps out at me is that Paul's words on the resurrection to the Corinthians and and to us by extension are, are really a rallying cry to live lives in resurrection. Life in the power of the resurrection. So as I looked at what Paul was doing there, I, I, I thought, what, is, what does this look like if we take these eight or nine things that Paul gave the Corinthians as he was talking about? Look, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, all of this falls apart. But if he is, if he is risen then we can go through those things again in a little bit different way. We preach Jesus because the words matter to those who are being saved when he is risen in us. We focus on faith in Jesus as our primary guide to life when he is risen in us. We see God's power being manifested in our lives daily when he is risen in us. Who we are as Christians speaks for itself when he is risen in us. There is freedom from sin and ability to live righteously when he is risen in us. There is no fear in death. It's faced with certainty when he is risen in us. 
Hope is tangible and, and carries us through the most difficult times when he is risen in us. Christians are filled with joy and, and though ridiculed and even persecuted, they have their eyes fixed on Jesus when he is risen in us. Celebrating Easter is fine. Living in the power of the resurrection is better. Here's the question. I'm going to ask Ross to come back. We're going to sing that living hope song again. Is he risen in you? Is he risen in me? This is, this is not about celebrating Easter. This is about resurrection, which is why we as a church say we celebrate Resurrection Day every Sunday. Why? Because he is alive in us. Is he risen in you? Is your life bearing the proof of resurrection? See, that was Paul's concern with this Corinthian church and, and believing in, in the death and, and, and believing in all those, that, that, that there was no resurrection, which is why he went through this. If he's risen in you, if he's risen in you, there is life in you. If he's risen in you, there is hope in you. If, if he's risen in you, there is love in you. There is light in you. There is truth in you. There is compassion in you. There is mercy in you. There is peace in you. There is faith in you. There is forgiveness in you. There is righteous living in you. How will the people on the street know that Jesus is risen? You're not going to be able to just convince them with historic facts. But you can convince them by living a resurrected life. Dead in your trespasses and sin, now made alive in Jesus. He is not only our future hope, He is our living hope. Amen? The world needs a risen Savior. And people need to see the power of that resurrection alive in us. Amen? Let's stand together as we sing this together for our last song. I know, you didn't believe we were going to be out of here at 11 o'clock, and I understand. But Jesus is alive. Amen? Sing it, Ross. Amen.